Well, hey guys, I want to welcome you to week three of our study of the kingdom here at Band of Brothers. And before I jump in, I kind of want to just take a second to talk about how I think this, this series, this study, the study of the kingdom has been super beneficial for me, as I'm sure it has for you guys as well, specifically in answering the question, what is the kingdom? We see the, the kingdom of God mentioned multiple, multiple times by Jesus in the New Testament. In fact, it's something that he talks about most of the time. And I feel like if you would have asked me uh, in high school or just early on in my walk, my walk with the Lord, if you would have asked me what is the kingdom, I, I don't think I could have given you an answer. I think back to my years playing baseball in high school and before every game, before every practice, after every game, after every practice, we always said the Lord's Prayer. And part of the Lord's Prayer is you say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think if you would have asked me then, what is the kingdom, I would not have been able to give you an answer. And I think this study has done a wonderful job of providing an answer to that, but also showing us where our misconceptions of the kingdom is or what they are, and specifically the kingdom of God. And so as we jump into this week and as we really kind of build off the answer to that question, I want us to, to remember what we established last week. We established God as the king of creation and, and this, this idea that he was king over all. He had rule, he had reign, authority, sovereignty over all things. And we see this in the creation story. We see this really all through the New Testament and the Old Testament. And this wasn't something, this idea of God as king, the idea of the kingdom of God, this wasn't something that just started with Jesus. Now, while it's true that, that Christ mentioned it multiple times, and in fact, it was one of the large, larger parts of his ministry in the New Testament, it wasn't something that just started there. If you remember last week, we pointed back to a few times in uh, the Old Testament and then looked at Jesus' words in the New Testament where the, the kingdom of God was mentioned or the idea of the kingdom was mentioned. And I've got one for you here. This comes from Psalm chapter 74. It says, both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth and you made both summer and winter. So we see that in creation, all of creation sings that God is king. He is the one that created him. Therefore, he rules over them. He rules over it. He is king. He is sovereign. He, he has authority and dominion over it. But then we also looked at Genesis chapter 1, and we see that in the creation story, the very fact that God is creating shows us that He is the King of creation. So if you'll pick up with me in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. So we see just in, the, in the, the very first few verses of the Bible, the first three verses of Genesis chapter 1, that God is the creator of all things. And this is important because it says that everything was formless, it was, it was void, it, it, nothing was happening. And so we see this chaos happening in Genesis chapter 1, and God brings order to this. So all of this, the creation, God bringing order, all of this points to Him being king, he, Him being king of creation. And that's kind of this thing that we established last week. So God's kingdom, His rule, His reign, His authority, His sovereignty, 
They were all established before the very foundations of the earth were laid. And so we see that God creates everything. He, he creates the, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, but then he creates Adam and Eve. You see, Adam and Eve are his, his, the crowns of his creation. They're the, the, the crown jewel of God's creation. It says that Adam and Eve, God created them in his image, in God's image. And once he creates them, he, he gives them this charge to rule the earth, to, to fill it, to have dominion over it, to subdue it. He gives them these charges, these charges to basically pr project God's image across the globe, across the garden. And so look what it says here in Genesis chapter 1 in the later part of it in verses 26 through 28. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And, and don't miss there the Godhead. It says, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. This isn't just God singular. We see the Godhead here in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1. So let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then here's the important part. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, those are the charges that we, we spent a little bit of time talking about last week. Adam and Eve, humanity was told to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subdue it and to have dominion over it. That is what they were supposed to do in living out this, this image of God. And so we see the, the image of God used here a few times, but we have to ask ourselves, what does that mean for us? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, to be made in the image of God means to be a son or a daughter of God. This is something that we established last week. So God intended Adam and Eve and his descendants to be his, his living, this living sacred projection of himself on earth, and he gives the command to spread that image across the earth. So to be made in the image of God is to be charged with spreading the image of God ourselves. So this is kind of where we left off last week. We were we set up Genesis chapter 1, everything was perfect. This is pre-fall, pre-the fall of man, and this is what we this is where we were. And so this week we're actually going to be jumping into Genesis chapter 3 through 11. Now, you'll have to bear with me here because in these chapters there's not a story that really paints humanity in a good light, but it does point to the coming hope of Christ and the kingdom of God. But y'all read this quote with me. This, this is from a book that is not on the list, the bibliography that Ken gave you, so don't tell him. Um, but it's by a book called The Everlasting Dominion, A Theology of the Old Testament by Eugene Merrill. He was a uh, DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary professor for a while. He says of where we are in Scripture, so the Genesis 2, Genesis 3 spot, he says, The kingdom story begins with the first sentence in the Bible, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By this simple but majestic affirmation, both king and realm are introduced. And in the six days that follow, the citizens of the kingdom, inanimate and animate, appear in their course until mankind, the crowning glory of the Creator, the crowning jewel of God, 
take center stage. The stage has been set, the players are ready, and the drama may now begin. So as we finish this quote, we have to ask ourselves, what is, what is this drama that's about to begin? Well, the drama is Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. This is something that we, we are still feeling the effects of today because it is, is when sin enters the world. It is something that you and I still deal with. But the drama there is it's the fall of man. And we see in Genesis chapter 3, this moment happens. So to set the scene, Adam and Eve are in the garden and they are uh, they are been given these rules to follow. And it is simply to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they're, they're eating from every other tree. But then one day the serpent arises, the enemy shows up and convinces them that they can actually eat from the tree that God told them not to. Because, really, they, they, he says, did God really say that? And he convinces them that if they were to eat it, they would actually become like God. And that's why God doesn't want them to eat. And so he, he tricks them into to, to eating the tree. And this is what happens in Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate. Before we move on into the notes of this verse, of, these, of this section, what I want us to realize is the tree was a delight to the eyes and that it was to be desired to make one wise. We see just even in those few phrases, this idea that we're going to be talking about all day today, that there's really this kingdom of God and kingdom of man. There's this battle. And really what's happening is... Man is constantly, humanity is constantly trying to usurp God's authority. And we see that here. Adam and Eve were seeking to usurp God's authority in the very action of disobeying Him. Their disobedience to Him was an act of challenging His authority. The action of eating the fruit, as simple as it may be, is a complete rejection of God's kingdom. Right, God had set forth this kingdom plan and told Adam and Eve to, to gave them the charges that they were to follow, told them not to eat from this tree, and Adam and Eve do the exact opposite. And so in doing so, they reject God's kingdom and, and instead try to set up their own little kingdom, their own little dominion for themselves. And so the result of this rejection, the result of not listening to the charges, the, the, the commands that God has given them, was their banishment from the garden, the, the very presence of God. Adam and Eve were told to do all of these things, and yet, because of their rejection of God's authority, because of their attempts to set up their own kingdom, as, as, as small as this action may seem, we see that the result is sin enters the world, and Adam and Eve are banished from the garden. So what are the, the results of this? Starting in Genesis 3 with the fall, we see that after they begin to set up their own kingdom, this, this idea of rival kingdoms or, or uh, kingdoms that are other, or kingdom of man versus the kingdom of God begin to take place. You see, God's kingdom plan in, this, in the rejection of, or God's kingdom plan in Adam and Eve, eating from the tree, his plan was corrupted. God's kingdom plan had been corrupted, and from that moment on, false kingdoms or, or rival kingdoms begin to, to pop up. They begin to show up. And what I want to make sure we understand here is 
clarifying, we're not speaking of you know, the Assyrian kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom. The, while those are evil kingdoms that we see throughout Scripture, what we're talking about here is rejecting the rule, the reign, the authority, the sovereignty of God and His kingdom. Choosing the kingdom of man over the kingdom of God. Following the kingdom of man rather than following the kingdom of God. And so from Genesis 3 on and today, like I said, we'll specifically be in Genesis 3 through 11, we're going to see each character faced with the question of which kingdom they are going to choose, which kingdom they are going to follow. And the the backdrop of all this is something that I think we need to remember is we still face these these questions today. This is something that doesn't just stop in in biblical history in the Old Testament. This is something that continues to this day of whether or not we're going to choose to follow the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man. And so we see this downward spiral begin to happen. We see in Genesis 3 that man, starting in Genesis 3, man wants to become autonomous. Man wants to be sovereign. Man wants to rule and reign over its own kingdom. It wants to, it wants to do this out of a completely selfish desire. The rule and reign is really dictated by our own selfishness, by the idea of self-determination and self-rule. And you know, one of the verses that we've gone back to a number of times in just the, the two weeks that we've had this study is Judges 21, 25. And I think this verse is perfect for us today because what it does is it gives us an idea of the heart of man. It really provides a, a great um, example of what our hearts are like, specifically in these stories today, but also um, moving forward in, this, in this, uh, this, this battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. But it says, in those days there was no king in Israel, yet everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so everyone doing what was right in their own eyes, trying to decide what is right and wrong, is us trying to play God. And really, this is going to be where the heart of man is moving forward. We see in other areas as well. So we saw in Judges 21 and we see in Genesis 3 through 11, just this idea of man choosing the kingdom of man rather than the kingdom of God. But we also see this, I want to show you guys in the New Testament as well. Romans chapter 1, it says, Paul says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And this is the important part. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served creature rather than creator, who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. You see this idea of, of worshiping creature, exchanging the truth about who God is for a lie, and instead worshiping and serving creature rather than creator. That's at the heart of this battle of the reign of God versus the reign of man. And we're going to see all of this moving forward. So the immediate aftermath of Genesis 3. So you've got the fall of man, Adam and Eve, um, eat from the tree. They're banished from the garden. Sin enters the world. What's going to happen? Well, we pick up um, and realize in Genesis 4 that it doesn't take very long. Now, 
in, in a relative sense. It doesn't take long for the desire to rule, the desire to reign over our own kingdoms to take over. We see this result almost immediately in the story of Cain and Abel. So if you'll pick up with me in uh, Genesis chapter 4, it says, In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So we see here that Cain and Abel, their brothers, they bring these offerings to the Lord. Now Cain, uh, Cain's offering, it seems to be, it was rejected by, by God and Abel's is, is accepted and is, is honoring to the Lord. It's important to note that based on the Levitical law, both offerings were actually uh, okay to give, but we see the intentions behind them as the problem. And we even see that as we move forward with Cain of just the jealousy that rises in his heart. So it says, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel's his brother, and they were in, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. And so we see this, this jealousy take over, this idea of really ruling over his own kingdom take over when Cain kills his brother Abel. Because humanity is broken, because humanity is fractured, because humanity is sinful, we tend to follow the same path that Adam and Eve did. We tend to follow the, the same idea that we can be sovereign. We want to be sovereign. We, we, we want to rule and reign over our own kingdoms. We constantly try to take the authority that belongs to God because we think it belongs to us. We think we deserve to rule and reign, and we want to. And that, like I said, that's that constant battle that we're facing. But in this story specifically, Cain is actually playing the role of God by determining the value of his brother's life. In this, in this story, we see Cain really wanting to rule over his own little kingdom by determining and choosing the value of Abel's life. And he kills him out of, the, out of jealousy. And so in this moment, through this, this, this terrible action, Cain was attempting to make himself king over his own little kingdom. Now, most likely, we're not going to ever face this situation of you know, killing our brother. If we do, we've got a whole host of other problems that we need to talk about. But even then, even in this story, the point remains the same. So often we try to, or we want to own our own kingdom. We want to, to rule by our own selfish desires and our own selfish wants. An example that we've kind of talked about already is, and as a, and a, a modern example is, you know, we've got uh, our houses. We like to consider ourselves the king over our own little domain, our own little house. And that example has actually been very helpful for me. I bought my first house, my wife and I bought our first house two weeks ago. And I can remember, after just living in the house for a couple days, I was sitting out on the back porch and I, I started thinking to myself, man, look at what I've bought. Look at what I've done with my own money. Look at what I've done. This is mine. This is my little, my little kingdom, my little domain. But that's the mindset. Is even though it, it, it's not the same situation as Cain and Abel, it's the mindset of having this, this, this authority to rule and authority to reign um, and be sovereign and choosing the kingdom of man 
rather than the kingdom of God, the rule of man, the reign of man rather than the rule of God. As we want our own kingdom that we can rule by our own desires and our own wants, and we see that in Canaan, we see yet again the failure of the charges that God has given Adam and Eve, right? To, to fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. We see all of these things failing once again, not only in Adam and Eve, but in the story of Cain and Abel. And so it doesn't take long for things to go south after the fall. We've established this. But this battle between man's rule and God's rule, it's, it's never going to end well. And in fact, in every story today, we'll see that this battle doesn't end well for humanity, right? But it's something that we still face today. As a result of Cain's attempt to establish his own little kingdom, his own kingdom over his brother, the result of that is, is chaos and sin just begin to drown the earth. And there's no pun intended there because this, this, this result actually brings forward the flood. So in uh, Genesis chapter 6, we see the story of Noah, but, uh, Noah and the flood and the ark. But look at how God describes the, the state of the earth at this time, but the state of humanity at this time. Says the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Guys, just think about the picture of the earth at this point. Think about how terrifying this must be. Sin was absolutely rampant. We see that no part of man's heart had any good intentions. And there, if we go back to that Judges verse, their definition of right was obviously wrong because God describes, God's perspective of this situation is man's intentions were only evil continually. There was no part of man's heart, man's intentions, that were good. How terrifying a place that must be. And this is the result of us choosing, of man choosing, its own rule and reign over that of God's. Again, man is asserting their kingdom, or trying to assert their kingdom, over God's. And so what is the result of this? The result is God said he's going to blot man out. The, the result brings the flood of the earth. And you know the story of Noah where God tells Noah to build an ark and he brings animals two by two and they, they, they go up in the ark and then God floods the earth. That's basically this restart um, through Noah and his descendants. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 12 and it says, And God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. The earth was full of violence through man. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And so the idea of self-rule, the idea of self-determination, the idea that we can rule our own kingdom, the kingdom of man can take the place of the kingdom of God, brought about this destruction. It brought about the flood that, that destroyed humanity except for Noah and his family. 
You see, man was given the responsibility to steward the earth. Man was given the responsibility to subdue the earth, have dominion over it. We see all of these charges again failing, that man was failing at them, and therefore God brings the flood of the earth. They were doing the exact opposite of all of those things. Their actions were actually bringing forth the destruction of the earth. And so if you look at all of these stories, whether it's the fall of man and Adam and Eve in the garden, Cain and Abel, or the the flood and Noah, you really kind of see the cycle. And it's the cycle of God creating, then God's people destroying, and then God restoring. We see the cycle continue over and over again, and we see it in the stories today. And looking at Adam and Eve, let's see, see, he creates man in his own image. God creates man in his own image. And he gives them dominion and rule over everything. So there we see God created, yet humanity rejects God's rule. Adam and Eve reject God's rule, and they're, as a result of that, they're banished from the, God, the garden. So we see that man destroys, God's people destroy. But God will restore through a king. We see in Genesis chapter 3 that God tells Eve, that through her, through her line, he will bring a king that will ultimately restore humanity. So we see the cycle in Adam and Eve, but then also look at Noah. Noah is a continuation, him and his family, of fallen and broken humanity. And the whole reason the flood is happening is because of the wickedness of the earth. And God brings the flood. He destroys everything except for Noah and his family. And then his, Noah and his family become the new, the new rulers of earth. And with Noah, God reiterates his original mandate that he made to Adam and Eve. So we see the cycle of God creating, God's people destroying, and then God redeeming. God, um, as we see with Noah, reiterating his original mandate with that, that he made with Adam and Eve. So this is kind of where we're at. The, the flood waters have receded. Noah and his family are standing there at the ark and they're walking off the ark. You've got, you know, two, two by two of animal, every single animal walking off the ark. And so everything seems to be back in order. Nothing could be further from the truth. If, if I could make this word wrong any bigger, I would, but this is as big as I could make it to fit on the screen. But everything is not right. Nothing seems or nothing is back to order, back in order. In fact, barely shortly after Noah and his family get off the ark, we find ourselves in familiar territory again. Pretty soon after Noah and his family are established as rulers, they begin to rule selfishly. They begin to face this battle that we've been talking about this whole time, that this, this battle of the reign of man versus the reign of God. And we're going to see their actions choose the reign of man. In Genesis 9, we see Noah and his family, they're off the ark and their family's dishonored through their actions. And then actually, the descendants of Noah from that point go on to form the territory of Sod- what becomes Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we see you know, these cities that are, that are known for just terrible and wicked things Um, come from the descendants of Noah, and Noah's descendants are ultimately marked by their own self-rule and their own self-determination. And again, you could summarize man's heart as doing what was right in their own eyes, following after the, the kingdom of man, the reign of man, 
instead of the reign and the kingdom of God. And so all of this is going to kind of come to a, a head here in, in Genesis 11. To round out this series of, of chapters where man continually asserts its own kingdom, man continually asserts its own sovereignty, rule, and reign over that of God's because it thinks it knows better, we arrive at the story of the Tower of Babel. So this, you see this story, this, this, this story in Genesis 11 is a culmination of what we've been talking about the entire time. In all of these chapters, we see man continually fail, man continually to try to assert its own authority where God is in control, man choosing to follow the kingdom of, of man rather than the kingdom of God. So pick up with me in Genesis 11. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens. They wanted to build a tower that reached all the way to the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. You know, you read this story and you think to yourself, okay, what's, what's the big deal? They just wanted to build a tower. We still, we still build towers today. What, what's, what's wrong with this? How is this an example of man choosing itself, man choosing its own kingdom over God? But what you miss here is the intentions. They don't even try to hide the fact that they are doing this for their own selfish gain. It's as if these people haven't learned anything. Now, you and I, we have the privilege of being able to look at these stories, and we can read them in one sitting. We can sit down and read Genesis 3 through 11 and see what went wrong and where. These people still would have known the power of God and what He has done, uh, what His power has done, what His kingdom should be, rather than uh, them following after their own their own kingdom. But this Following after their own kingdom is going to continue to happen. It's going to be a decision that man continually makes over and over again. And like I said, these people in building this tower and building this great city, they don't even try to hide their intentions. In fact, they blatantly say, let us make a name for ourselves. They're not hiding the fact that they're doing all of this not for the glory of God. They're doing this for themselves and to make a name for themselves only. And you see, they're going to continue to ignore the commands that God has given every single generation of, uh, that we see him with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah and his family, and now here. They ignore these commands of God, and ultimately, they wanted to be God and decide what was best for themselves. That's at the heart of what's going on here. They wanted to rule and reign over their own little kingdom because they thought they knew better. So look at what the Lord says because of this situation in Genesis 11. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is the only, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. 
Guys, I think it's very easy for us to skip over here something that God said. He says, this is only the beginning of what they will do. God knows that man is at its natural state. Our hearts are going to choose man, the kingdom of man, the rule of man, the rule. We want to rule over these things. We want to have that sovereignty, that authority, that autonomy, and we will ultimately rule selfishly. God knows that this, what these people are doing, is only the beginning of what they're going to do. You see, this, this yearning to make a name for themselves, these people here, by building a great city or build, by building a tower that reaches the heavens, them doing that gave them this false sense of authority. It gave them this false idea that they were in control. It gave them this false idea that look at what we've done, look at how great we are, look at how uh, amazing the, the feats that we have completed. It was all pointing to them. They had no intention of giving the glory to the Lord. In fact, in this process, we're choosing the kingdom of man, the reign of man rather than the reign of God. You see, at the, at the core of it, man wants to be king. And this story here with the Tower of Babel actually reminds me of a story that we talked about last week in Daniel chapter 4 with, with King Nebuchadnezzar. If you remember, he claims to have built the great city of Babylon, and he looks out upon the whole city and he says, basically, look at what I've done. And almost immediately, almost immediately God responds and says, no, the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to who he will. Guys, if you, if you don't remember anything from this lesson, remember this. There, we are in this constant battle of choosing whether we're going to follow the kingdom of man or the kingdom of God. But even then, we, we've gotten this false idea that if we choose the kingdom of man, we are in control because this verse tells us the exact opposite. Even the kingdom of man, the reign of man, the sovereignty of man, all of that, God rules over it. The Most High rules over the kingdom of men and gives it to who He will. So even the kingdom of man, God rules over. So God is king now. He always has been king, and He always will be king over everything. And so where do we see this today? How, what is, how does this apply to us today? You know, it's easy to look at these stories. It's easy to look at the, these passages and, and, and think, man, these people are terrible. We do it all the time in the Old Testament, looking at the Israelites and their failures, especially Genesis 12 on. But looking at just these few short chapters, it's very easy for us to, to think, man, these guys just don't get it. How, how Their decision-making is terrible. They are constantly choosing things other than the kingdom of God. But I'm going to steal a quote from Ecclesiastes here and say, nothing is new under the sun. You and I still fight this same battle every single day. Every single day we have to wake up and choose whether we're going to follow the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man. This is a decision that we have to make. This is a battle that we're still facing to this day. This isn't something that just ends in biblical history. This is something that is still facing us today. We constantly are trying to assert our power over God's all the time. And that's the natural state of our heart. And thanks be to God that He has stepped in and saved us and shown us the way of following after His kingdom rather than ours. We want to be sovereign over our own selves. That is the battle that we are constantly facing. 
And guys, before we, we close out, I want to show you this, this picture. This is something we, we saw last week, but I, it gives us a great idea, sort of a timeline of where we were and where we're going. Last week, we spent a lot of time in the beginning there. It says with Adam and Eve, speaking of Genesis 1, talking about being fruitful and multiplying, filling the earth, subduing it, and having dominion over it. This week, we've been in that middle part where it says the reign of God versus the reign of man. You see, we, we named the lesson this week, Creation is King, because we're just pointing out story after story in the Bible where man is choosing to assert its own reign and its own authority over that of God's. We really could have titled it the reign of God versus the reign of man, but that's that little section in the middle is where we have been today. Now, Genesis 11 is not the end of that. That's something that's still going on today. But then how wonderful it is that we get to look forward to the end of this timeline where we see, as we talked about on Sunday, Pastor Ted in 1 Corinthians 15, that then comes the end when the when Jesus Christ will hand the kingdom to God the Father. That is what we get to look forward to. That is where our hope and our, our, our restoration is going to come from. It's that redemption. And so from the fall through the Tower of Babel, we see this constant downfall of man trying to obtain its own kingdom over and over and over again. And we see that humanity cannot shake this yearning, this, this, this desire to rule and reign over ourselves and over that of God. It's, it's, it's innate in us that that is what we're desiring. But for us, the encouragement comes from knowing that, man, God's plan cannot be thwarted. And we'll see that God's plan is going to continue to run through faithful men, as we'll see next week with Abraham in Genesis 12. His plan will continue to run through faithful men who believe that he is king. They want to follow after his kingdom, and they believe that he's going to work all things for their good. And guys, for us, all of this is going to culminate in Christ when one day he restores us, and we no longer have to face that battle. And so as we move into the discussion time, here's your questions. The first one says, in what ways have we tried to assert our kingdom over God's kingdom, our reign over God's reign. And there's really two ways that I want you to answer this question. I want you to look at it at, from the perspective of society or culture, culture as a whole, how have we failed in these aspects, but I also want you to look at it inwardly for yourself. How have you specifically tried to assert your own kingdom, the kingdom of man, over the kingdom of God, the reign of man over the reign of God? Second, what can we learn from these specific examples of man's failure to rule and reign? Like I said at the beginning, Genesis chapter 3 through Genesis chapter 11 really don't paint humanity in the good light because it's story after story of us trying to assert our own kingdom over that of God's. What is something that we can learn from those stories, from those examples today? And lastly, God created us in His image. What does that mean for us today as fallen humans? We see that God creates man in his own image in Genesis chapter 1, but then man falls, sin enters the world. So what we're facing is a little different. How or what does it mean for us to be created in the image today as fallen humans? God, thank you for today, and thank you for, for just bringing us this, this wonderful lesson, Lord. And I pray 
that as we go into the discussion time, God, you would continue to reveal in us areas in our lives where we have placed our authority, where we have sought to assert our own kingdom over yours. I pray that you would reveal those to us and you would continue to show us the ways in which we have done that. Father, I pray that you would bless the discussion time, Lord, and that you would continue to bless the study as we move forward. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks, guys.